You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Alva Mooses. Alva, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for inviting me. And yeah, I look forward to talking with you. Alva, we're going to talk about your, your residency this past summer at Greenwich House Pottery. And I, I wanted to jump right into that, that work. Um, I love what you were doing there and these and, the, and these these sculptural objects that you were creating. So to to jump right into one of the objects in particular, there was one called Ear to Earth, and 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 this seems to be part of a series, right? This is a um, well, tell me a little bit about it because I I know some about it, of course, from reading about it, but this is uh, about the Earth itself being kind of. Um, not where it should be. Is that correct? Yeah. So this this body of work is essentially a, a series of reconfigured terrestrial globes of the Earth that I have slip cast in clay, and I was able to like start and create this work during my residency at Greenwich House. And um, yeah, I've so through this work, I'm reflecting on forms of mapping and thinking about how similar to linguistic forms approaches to map making emerge from a cultural perspective and and of course like the history of mapping is far from innocent Um, political boundaries mark histories of warfare and conquest but mapping is also more broadly a system that informs and directs us and orients us in ever-shifting environments so in this work that I was creating at Greenwich House, I, I wanted to move away from like a dominant colonial historical representation of the earth as a perfect sphere on a steady axis towards a transformative body. And by remaking the earth out of earth in this way, I wanted to allow the materiality of clay its own voice and agency. So let's talk about that materiality of clay um it, it's such an interesting uh surface and color so when you were working on these I, I know there was um kind of volcanic relationship right can you tell me a little bit about that because these almost look like they've been unearthed right like like these were part of the earth which which of course clay is as a, as a medium i suppose but um but these almost look like artifacts in a way yeah, so the the color actually was initially white. It it was a porcelain flip that I was using, but I tinted a lot of I I was always tinting the porcelain as a way to have a color that kind of comes through any glazing, but also as I was reglazing the forms and like warping or or slits were forming, the inside would kind of reveal another color. And then um, the glaze um, did involve this like volcanic magma glaze that I was um, applying in different ways, sometimes painted, sometimes um, airbrush. And I was also tinting that. Um, and that reference to like a sort of volcanic texture, I think is important in that it signals to or speaks to a sort of transformative or like space or site. And 
Um, a few years ago, I was actually working on pieces that um, were looking to the site of the youngest volcano in the Western Hemisphere, um, the Paricutin volcano in Michoacan, Mexico. So tell me more about that, because that, that's so interesting. The Paricutin um, volcano, this is, it, it's referencing that, but also um, it's, it's, it's the coloring, it's the process, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the glaze that you're using? Yeah, so it's, it's supposed to be like a magma texture and like the thicker you apply it, the more pumice and like porous like it gets. And um, anyhow, yeah, the, the Paricutin volcano though was a, a place, like it's an area in Mexico that I visited frequently growing up with my grandmother. Um, but in 2019, um, in January of 2019, I, I found out I was pregnant and I remember turning to my partner and insisting that we needed to go to the Paricutin volcano. There's like so much folklore and mythology around the dramatic transformation of the land at that site. And yeah, and then again, like this connection of it as a place that I, I frequently visited that area, but had never made it to the volcano itself. Um, and so anyhow, the the volcano emerged out of the cornfield of a farmer, Dionisio Pulido, in um, Apurepecha indigenous village. And it displaced several towns, actually. And it, you know, kind of covered like a large landmass with solidified magma, you know, spreading hundreds of miles, reaching as far as Mexico City. And all that was left was this stone steeple of a church. Um, and the town was called San Juan Parangari Cutiro. And, and so, yeah, with this displacement, a new town, um, Nuevo San Juan Parangari Cutiro, was built by those that the volcano had displaced. And when we went to the volcano and then also to Nuevo San Juan, um, we learned that there's a tradition and saying that um, you enter dancing for your prayers and dreams to be realized. So yeah, you can like, you'll see local folks of all ages enter the church, sometimes dancing backwards. And yeah, I guess I was also mentally preparing to give birth while making this work and thinking about my daughter's entrance into the world as a dance of sorts. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that story. So to talk a little bit more about that, when you realize you're pregnant and going to this, to this, um, to this place, it sounds, the idea of dancing there and, the, 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 and, and walking in that way sounds so extraordinary. I love these kind of stories and what seem like transformative places. Um, what were you expecting there? Because this is this is kind of uh, this is part of this process, right? This is how you're thinking about uh, a work and, and and life, correct? Yeah, I mean, I I guess it was just a site I, I had always um, heard a lot about, but then actually at that moment I had also um, been connected to uh, a dance teacher, Jose, who. Um, was from Nuevo San Juan and was working with a local dance group to um, to like maintain the tradition, the traditional dances from that area. So it was just that added element of like having 
that connection. And part of, I was working on a, a project at Socrates Sculpture Park where I had actually gotten visas for this youth dance group to come to New York um, to perform around some of these, um, this like larger sculptural installation. And unfortunately the pandemic happened. So they didn't, we got the visas, but then they didn't make it. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So much happened during the pandemic like that, that ended certain projects and started others. And, and so, so, you know, we're talking about ceramics works that, that you made during the residency there. There's, there's also um, a print collaboration you're working on right now, right? Because you, you've also made prints as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I, I guess my work is very grounded in a sort of language of print. And I, I feel like my approach to working in clay is at times analogous to printmaking. Um, and actually with the work, at Greenwich House, the the more spherical, more bodily forms also then translated into like a series of tablet pieces where the fractured or fragments of globe stands were making, like alluding to a letter form or a type of acemic writing. And um, so I was thinking of, I, I actually, shortly, like during my residency at Greenwich House, also had an opportunity to work at Dudenay Paper Making Studio in Brooklyn. And I was using the silhouettes of the clay forms I had casted, these like fractures or fragments of the globe stand, and then um, making stencils to do this sort of pulp painting series. And now I'm using some of those same silhouettes um, and working with uh, a CNC drawing machine and putting in different tools and thinking about um, different translations of process and texture. And, and what is actually being made? Those are those those print works, or that you're currently involved with. Those are. Um, also globes, images of the earth, or what's the imagery there? Yeah, so I'm using, like, the larger ground in the most recent series are from water photos I've taken of water, and then I go through a process of applying a halftone dot pattern to it, and then, um, yeah, it, within that water image are the forms from the ceramic like fragment silhouette. So that there might be like a circle or the arc or twisted or warped um, globe stand frame and pieces making different compositions. And um, anyhow, they also for me like are alluding to a sort of writing form or sign system. That's so interesting. You You said that Printmaking is is a little bit like what was happening in um, in Greenwich House Pottery Studio. H how do you mean that? What what is the relationship? Because printmaking, I always think of as it's such an unusual medium. The way it, there's all the surprise element, in it, depending on how you're printmaking. You know, the image becomes a mirror image. The composition switches from right to left or left to right. Um, how how do you equate? your work um, 
with ceramics and, and printmaking? Because you said there was a similarity in the process, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the specific process I was using with clay was involved, you know, I had this eBay purchase um, terrestrial globe of the earth with its stand and I cast the separate parts in plaster and there were there was a lot of like super detailed information like the numbers on the the globe stand and then even the like creases of the paper of the globe were transferred anyhow I, I was seeing it as a three-dimensional form of print like a way of making uh, a varied multiple and I guess something with clay there was like this element of time also that like when you pour the slip into a mold you're like thinking about how malleable you want the piece to be when it comes out and so you you can determine that by like how long you leave the clay in and then um, anyhow yeah there was there was, yeah, just that ability to, like, capture a detail, detailed impression, but then also, like, the idea of transference and, like, um, the kind of memory of an original thing being um, transferred or cast onto another surface is interesting to me. That is interesting. And so that, that idea of the memory and, and traces is also seems like the connection right between between the ceramics sculpture and and um and printed and printed media right because that's also been a part of your work this this uh relationship to to traces right to to mark making which relates to to both mediums right yeah i mean i think um the way the idea of like a trace or vestige that um, is so inherent to the language of print, um, I think relates to my work, is, is, is significant to my work in many ways. Um, maybe also thinking of forms of like cultural displacement or um, loss of historical memory. Um, so a lot of my work I think is also a way of like studying history, um, both local or um, like really as it relates to my heritage in Mexico, where my mother and her family is from. And um, that that history, which was, you know, not very present in my American education. And so, yeah, I feel like anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. I'd, I'd like to talk about that. So let's talk about that that history a little bit that wasn't present in your American education. So part of what's happening here, these traces, these memories, and, and also new information is, is about um, recreating that education in a sense. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe going out on a limb there, but just correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Is it, is it in part about, about that, some of what you're, you're talking about in the work, that, that kind of uh, a, a re-education almost? Yeah, I I would say so. Like there's I mean there are elements of my work where it's like learning through working with the material and um but then there's like the other part of my practice that involves like travel to specific sites and um understanding yeah histories that are not have not been so accessible to me. 
And and so the 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 idea of like histories that haven't been accessible and that goes back to maybe like the volcano and things that haven't been you know um, you know that, that that are part of that you know which is so interesting. It's something that I I hear about from other artists uh, who I've interviewed you know in the, in in the last six months who talk about sort of reclaiming family histories that they only know bits of, so they become kind of mythologized or something like what is happening there. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And and perhaps we can just talk about your last name because that relates to the family history as well. Moses. Yeah. So my last name actually is my Greek side. I'm, I have multicultural background and, um, my father's family is from Greece, and my grandfather changed it from, I think it was something like Musikiotis, um, as many immigrants do when they come to the U.S., like shorten or simplify um, a name. So it's, yeah, it's made up. And um, So, there's, so yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's a number of traditions that you're tapping into, perhaps memories or research. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think hybridity is something that comes up. I mean, also in the, I guess I didn't talk about it too much, but the the pieces that I started um, after visiting the Paricutin volcano were kind of looking at a sort of hybrid identity through these um, sculpted corn forms that I yeah I originally sculpted out of clay and then. Um, they were both corn and shoe sole and other forms that I was making silicone um, molds of and then merging the mold so it would be like a corn texture turning into a shoe sole. And um, I was thinking about a sort of, yeah, like corn is this important um, symbol of identity in the Americas. Um, and then also um, had been to the this very strange collection at the US Border Patrol in El Paso, Mexico. And in that collection there are objects that were found from basically like undocumented individuals trying to cross the Sonoran Desert and trying to evade detection by attaching foam padding to the bottom of a boot sole or carving a a horse hoof to um, make their track, to manipulate their their foot track and and evade detection for survival. That's so interesting, right? And it taps into a lot of different areas. Um, And and the the paper making that you mentioned at Tudan, now, that's also a type of residency, right? That that in itself also seems like a midway point almost between uh, printmaking and and sculpture, right? Because that's that's somewhat sculptural itself, paper making. Yeah, I I really see paper making as a sculptural process. Um, I've gotten to study various forms of it over the past decades and anyhow yeah the the pieces i made titled you enter dancing there's always sign um we're basically taking those corn and shoe sole forms that i had made then like hard silicone casts of and i was impressing them in like freshly 
pooched sheets of of paper and um, pigmenting the paper, like thinking of different kinds of ground. That's so interesting. Um, well, Ava, I want to I wish you well with uh, the current print collaboration, and of course, there's links here and more, so uh, listeners can see more images and 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 what you're what you're up to, and a lot of what we've discussed. I, I want to ask one more off-topic question before we go, because I'm always curious. What are you reading at the moment? Well, I guess most recently I've been reading um, Sadia Hartman's Wayward Lives, Beautiful Experiments, and um, some of her other writings, but like thinking about the the limits of the archive um, and this like tension between visibility and representation. Um, but yes, yeah, some other texts, like I, while I was pregnant, uh, this was a few years ago, but um, I was reading The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson and um, thinking about like multiple forms of like a body's transformation at once. Alva, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's really been a pleasure and I, I want to thank you and wish you well on your upcoming uh, process and work and collaboration. Thanks so much for talking with me, Alva. Thank you, Brainerd. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>